You are listening to the School of the Future podcast by GIIS. I'm Graham Brown, your host. In this series, we feature the GIIS community of teachers, parents, students, and thought leaders from across the region to discuss the forces, opportunities, and challenges that are shaping learning in the 21st century. Good evening to all. GIS School of the Future once again brings to all our listeners another new podcast that will talk about a very interesting topic, well-being and health of our GIS community during COVID-19. I'm Melissa Maria, your host for this podcast. I'm an educator and school principal and have vast experience of working with students between the ages of two and a half and 18 years. It gives me pleasure to introduce our guest and panelist on this podcast. We have Ms. Vinti Mittal. Vinti holds a master's and a graduate certificate in counseling from Monash University, Australia. She is also a certified sand therapy as well as an expressive therapy practitioner. She is a member of the Singapore Association of Counseling. Vinti has been in private practice in Singapore for many years before taking on the role of director of SACAC Counseling, that is Singapore American Community Action Council. She offers counseling for adults, couples, families, teens and adolescents on a broad range of issues, including depression, anxiety, trauma, eating disorders, body image, grief, adjustments, academics, and relationship problems. Welcome, Vinti, to our podcast this evening. Our next panelist is Ms. Sabahat Fatima. Sabahat Fatima has completed her master's in applied psychology with a specialization in counseling. She has successfully researched into the field of educational psychology, focusing on academic confidence and learning environment of students. She too is a member of Singapore Association of Counseling. She is further exploring how positive psychology can shape and benefit young minds. Sabahat is the school counselor at GIS and also teaches psychology to our senior classes for IB year one and two students. Welcome, Sabahat, to this podcast. It is indeed a pleasure to have you both this evening to share your expertise and enrich our listeners with your experiences. In fact, you know, the COVID-19 pandemic has impacted every aspect of our society and none of us have been spared of his wrath. It is not that the world has not had other pandemics, but this one seems to have had far-reaching impact, and we surely will take a while to come out of its grip and go back to our normal way of life. So in the light of this background and the tremendous stress it has caused, may I now invite our panelist, Ms. Vinti Mittal, to share her views about what she thinks mental or emotional well-being is 
And how can one spot signs that an individual is not really doing emotionally well? It's a great question to start today's panel discussion. Before we actually go into emotional well-being, I'd like to a little little bit touch on the overall well-being uh, of an individual, which is generally composed of five important components. But out of those five components, the most important, which contributes to the overall well-being of an individual is the emotional well-being. If I have to simplify that, and put it up in very simple words, emotional health is a person's ability to accept and manage feelings through challenges and changes. So in, sim- in other words, people who are emotionally healthy are people who can control their thoughts, their feelings, and their behavior. So when they're faced with problems, they have perspective. They're able to bounce back after they've you know, faced with a setback. So it so basically, they're able to cope with the challenges of life, which we all have from time to time, whether COVID or not COVID, we are often faced with challenges in life. Yeah. So would you be able to actually list out what are some of the signs we should be looking at that we can say, oh, this one doesn't seem emotionally too well? Yeah, some of the signs, which uh, this is a, again a very good question, because, you know, I, I remember doing this interview and they asked me, And I was only asked once in the many interviews that I've done is, can you tell me signs to look for? So one of the major signs, one of the, so we see changes in people's behavior when they're struggling, when they're emotionally not feeling well. So some of them, you know, just uh, with with a quick eye, which you can notice, and sometimes in combination, sometimes it's obsessive. So if people are, or children are engaged in obsessive, behaviors like they're overusing technology. They're uh, obsessed with watching Netflix. They can't stop themselves. They're gaming. They're constantly chatting with their friends. So this is, this is one of the behavior or they're overly engaged in eating or they're not eating at all or they're engaged, in, they're sleeping. There's oversleeping or they're not sleeping at all. They are uh, very, very lethargic. They're not engaging in any, any self-care, just, you know, simple brushing their teeth, uh, coming on the breakfast table. So these are some of the things that, you know, we can pick up sometimes in combination, sometimes on their own that the individual is not doing well. But when they, I mean, just a question, you know, to kind of uh, go back to this, would there be some kind of a duration that we would have to check out for? Because, you know, sometimes all of us go through these mood swings kind of and we all know that you know mental health is like a spectrum for two days i may just feel terrible maybe i may overeat those two days or i may just not eat does it mean that then i am not emotionally okay so if these kind of behaviors this feeling of hopelessness helplessness or distancing ourselves isolation if it happens over a period of time that's the time that we start noticing and then we kind of look deeper into it and and you explore more if you see more than one signs then probably it's time to just uh, check you know contact somebody ask somebody who's a professional as to is should i be worried about this raise that concern with that individual mm. with a child as i'm seeing all these what is really happening with you because mm. if whenever we look at any form of psychological disorder 
we see that there is a complete shift in the day-to-day routine and they're engaging in an activity which hampers their functioning in daily life. So any behavior that they're doing which hampers their function in daily life would then be a great warning sign. Sabat, you meet teachers, you meet students. You know, how do you ascertain that this set of children or a particular teacher is not doing too well? I think you can also see by their physical appearance as well. That's one of the most important factors. When you see them, you see visible signs of distress in the form of fidgeting, not being able to sit in one place with teachers. It might also lead to an appearance where they seem distressed, you know, not as properly dressed as well. So you can pick up on these small signs, bags underneath the eyes, which indicates them not sleeping well. So physical appearance is definitely a most important telltale sign. At the same time, when you interact with them, you can kind of sense that they are lost. They're not present in the conversation. They seem to be forgetting quite a bit of things. So I think those are some signs as well. Yeah. yeah. Loss of focus is one, uh, one important sign to pick up. Sure, sure. So, you know, we've generally spoken about well-being. Let us come to our present context, you know, uh, with COVID-19. We have our students and parents working from home virtually, everyone doing their work from home. What do you think, you know, I mean, and this has brought its own share of challenges. What are these challenges you think, let's say, first, what parents could be facing? I mean, one of you would like to see, think what are some of the challenges parents, grandparents at home could be facing because of this lockdown situation? I think one of the things that the parents are facing challenge in is the distinction between their work life and their home life. Because usually it so happens that they would go to an office or they would go to a separate environment to work, which would be very different from the home environment. Now they're at home. They even have their children running around, you know, during the meetings. They still have to prepare their food. They still have to do all the home things while being at home, but still functioning in a so-called professional environment. So I think that's the balance there might be a challenge. Senti, what do you think with children and parents? What's happening? So I think there are two aspects of this. One is parents to understand what their kids are going through. So that will really help them to understand, uh, you know, help reduce their stress, their anxiety. And the other side is the kids understanding what the parents are going. So parents at this point of time, because they are parents, do have the responsibility for, you know, the overall well-being of the family, not just themselves, but the overall responsibility of the family. So they are actually facing a lot of stress, anxiety. There's a lot of grief and loss because they're kind of feeling the loss of life, loss of social life, loss of financial and economical stability, and loss of careers. So some of, to the point that some of the parents have actually a lot of financial uh, instability also. They don't know if they're going to be able to hold on to their jobs. And if they lose their job, what happened? Are they are going to be expected to go back to their countries? So a lot, So all these is an added pressure for the parents. Now, the other question that parents need to actually understand for themselves and also for their family, because they're responsible for everybody's well-being, is how do they see this period of time? Is it a time for them to organize, to fix, to put expectations on themselves or the kids 
or the family or is it a time where they say okay let's get on with this time do what best we can do to get through this and then we will see what really happens that is one of the biggest things that is very important to set our expectations of this time correct you know correct expectations yeah i think that's such an excellent point because only when we're faced with challenges are we able to understand how resilient we are and how well we can bounce back so if the parents also set an undertone of resilience in the house of saying this is a tough time but there is a brighter future we can use this time to focus on ourselves and create an environment where if something like this were to happen again we were better prepared yeah but at the same time i wanted also the parents to understand a little bit what the kids are going through because that is going to help them to define or to set the expectations right because if you see all of a sudden our kids perfect life have been put on hold so their lives are now full of kids any kids life revolves around going to school and going to school again is important from an academic point of view but there are lots of other things that are met at school other kids needs are met at school so it's also a place where they experience interacting interacting with different people peers adults other people administrative people in schools so a place where they learn social skills they learn respect they le- learn the sense of self worth you know empathy so all this have come to a standstill because we have overnight expected our kids to actually sit at home so for them they what they're actually going to a lot too so they've uh, they're confused they've lost their structures in their life they lost their friends they've lost their lives they're angry frustrated and if you see the high school kids they're actually very worried as to what is going to happen because high school is a period where you're kind of uh, uh moving through this uh, path of co- applying to colleges now everybody is so confused we really don't know what is happening so these poor kids are actually going through a lot of stress lot of grief and loss and that is become uh, bringing a lot of uncertainty in that in that you know because of that and so they are not at their best behaviors they're not performing optimally but then as parents and educators and college board they're still expecting them to perform at a certain level which is if we kind of don't change our expectation all of us together is going to cause may impact their mental well-being or their overall well-being so this is something that the parents and we all need to be mindful of before we address anything i think the pressure of performance is something that is hitting everybody so it's not just the students we have to even understand from our teachers perspectives they have never been used to so many eyes watching them so now it is not only the children it is the parents it's the grandparents it's completely something that they are not used to of course salute to all the teachers wherever they are doing virtual classes it's amazing what they are doing but can you imagine the performance pressure so this pressure is not something that only children are experiencing yeah i think i can speak from personal experience as well that you're all of a sudden you feel like you're being watched by so many people whereas when you're in a classroom it's those four walls and your students and the rapport that you have with your students may be a little bit more relaxed you may feel more comfortable in having a relaxed environment whereas when it's virtual you know that oh a parent might be listening and he might not be they might not be so appreciative of a relaxed environment whereas it might be very conducive for the students. 
So finding the right balance and the teachers organizing their thoughts at the same time, also making sure your kid doesn't run in between <laughs> the class. Get it. It's like, yeah. It's definitely a challenge. Yeah. 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 So I've actually forgotten to address the teacher. I'm a mother. I have three kids and I'm seeing my kids, you know, adapting to this home-based learning. But yeah, I forgot how fast the teachers from being no technology to actually using, you know, those boards and uh, being, they're really, uh, you know, taken uh, and meeting the standards. And you're very right that they are being washed. And, you know, us being control freaks, we always are so judgmental and always, you know, evaluating things. And we forget to, uh, you know, appreciate the kind of effort that the kids are putting and the teachers are putting to make this all work together and doing their best. And I lately I've seen how teachers have put in things of checking on the kids because some kids were checked out. So now they're picking on those kids. So this is it's it's an it's amazing how resilient and how we are all handling the situation. Sure, sure, sure. I think in this given scenario, you know, everything is not gloom. Everything is not doom. I'm sure there are a couple of positives that have emerged because of this scenario. And I'd love to hear from both you experts. What do you think are some of the positives that have come out from this situation that we find ourselves in today? I think also the biggest positive that we've been able to get is spending time with family in a world where we are so focused on our career or you know just so focused in our day-to-day routine that now we are actually getting that time to sit down and you know talk with our kids communicate with them and you know talk with the whole family and it's like you're now finding things to do because together instead of separate you would usually in a routine on a Saturday Sunday you would be like just dedicate one day as the Sunday for the family. But now you have the whole week. I think that's such a good thing that's come out of it, that families are bonding together. Vinti, you have something to say about (laughs) what are the positives? I I have a lot to say. And I know at one end, you know, the whole world is going through this pandemic. We're losing so many lives and the mental health professionals and doctors our medical staff all over the world governments everybody is you know pushed to the extreme uh, to deal with all this but on the other side uh, for me I think what has really helped and what I see because that's helped for me to see the positives is to find a meaning to this pandemic what does it really mean for me as an individual and what it means that's and that is something I'm helping my clients also is to find a meaning and when we start doing going on that way of finding a meaning for them they see a lot of positives for me i agree with sabat when she's saying you know the families are now forced to be together so they have to learn how to cohabit so i've every ha- i was working with this family where uh, i think it was a 17 year old girl and for her the last thing when we start uh, actually i started therapy the day the i think the day um, before the circuit breaker happened and we were talking about it for her the biggest issue was how am I gonna stay at home for this one and a half months one month because the last thing that she wanted on earth to be interacting with her parents and to be at home and now um, a month later when I see her I mean that issue has disappeared she has made herself comfortable at home and she's interacting with her family because it has left us a lot a lot of us with no options we have to make do with what we have 
I've seen that parents have actually started to understand their kids more, their learning style, how they're thinking, how they're performing, or what kind of human beings, because we are all forced to be locked down and we are forced to interact and just be there, you know. And uh, on a broader term, I have seen that, you know, a lot of educational boards are now investing in developing e-learning platform, which to me means that education is going to be available even in remote parts of the world, which is, I think, such a big deal because there's so many people who can't access education. They can't go to school. They can't access colleges. So for them, it's going to be available on the Internet. And I've seen that uh, healthcare systems all over the world are getting revamped. You know, some countries have done really well with uh, government-owned medical systems, and some are privatized. So they're all re- go- they have to rethink looking into the future. Is how are they going to make it better? Yeah, uh, and a lot of businesses are rethinking. Do we really need to get the employees to come back to work, to come to office every day? Because again, we have seen as of now, I don't know what's going to be eventually is that the productivity of individual or employees have actually increased being at home. We're all functioning better because we can manage, especially women. I think it's very empowering for women because we at the same time can do what we have to do and then uh, for our families and then we can also keep our careers going on. So, and uh, I think the final thing which I see is that resilience. We Our resilience are being put to test every day and we don't have an option. We just are facing, we are making things work and which is actually making us more com- uh, confident. Our self-esteems are going on because the things that we could never do before, we're actually forced to do it and we're actually doing it. Because fact, it, for me, it has, you know, concepts like empathy. Uh, being, you know, uh, what it is to bend down, be humble, be of service. These are concepts that one can see today. You know, we have groups of people coming together. I'm thrilled to see our own kids, you know, virtually volunteering, raising funds for the migrant workers, creating videos. I think these are concepts that we used to hear about compassion, you know, uh, empathy. And today we can see this live happening. So yes, along with the negatives, there are a lot of positives that have come through this entire, you know, um, situation that we are in. In fact, I would like to invite Shabahat to tell us what you, you know, understand by use of positive psychology. You know, you, you've been working on that. And how is that going to really help our situation? So I always, as a person, like to look at the positive. And positive psychology really interested me because he said, the founder of positive psychology, Mr. Martin Seligman, said a very interesting thing. He said that the mere absence of mental illness does not mean mental well-being. So just the absence of, say, you not having anxiety or you not having panic attacks does not mean you're extremely emotionally well. But rather, we need to focus on empathy and courage, hope, wisdom, all these things so that we develop factors like resilience in these times, right? So I feel like with positive psychology, there's a lot to learn. And one of the simple activities that he focuses greatly on and he's seen the impact of is just by counting your blessings every day. And I feel like now we're all holding on to that. So even if it's like jobs, if let's say some people have gotten a pay cut, they still say, oh, at least I still have my job. Some people don't have that. 
So just counting your blessings every night, just three, three blessings a day. Like I got food on my table. I still have my kids with me and we're all together. I think that's just something we can take from positive psychology at this time. Sure, sure, sure. You know, as a school of the future, GIS has embraced technology in a very immersive way, not only for our academic transactions, but in many other operational ways. Our newest initiative is for students, wherein we are launched this No Questions Asked. Uh, Shabahat, you know, I'd love to hear and maybe our listeners would like to hear about that. And then we'll ask Vinti what she thinks about this initiative. Sure. It's one of the things I feel like I'm so proud of to be associated with a school that is so looking forward to the mental well-being. Even before it was announced in the House of Parliament, we were already working upon it. And we focused on, we felt the need or we saw a need in the students to break the barrier of not speaking about mental health and just focusing on academics. So this initiative that we've taken is a helpline of sorts. It's a WhatsApp phone number that students can message at any time of the day. And immediately we have, I have myself responding as well as another counselor in my team. And what we do is we completely address address their queries then and there. And if there is a need of, say, um, instant help, we do provide that. So this is basically a platform where, like it says, the name states, no questions asked. We don't ask about why are you writing to us or, you know, who did this, who did that? It's less focused on the story and more, how can we help? Right. So, Vinti, what do you think about a school having, you know, moved in this direction? I think it's amazing that you just kind of made dream come true for me. If I have that service as a student, I would just love it. You know, that's that's just opening the whole uh, world of getting support. Because if you see our kids uh, in this time and age, there's so many issues. And sometimes parents are not always uh, the right people to, uh, you know, seek help or friends. So this, I think, is uh, going to be really, really helpful for the students. So they don't have to depend on parents or they don't have to depend on their friends. Parents, uh, again, different issues arise when a, lot, when a lot of things are shared with parents. And I, I would say if they depend on their friends, again, then they're not getting the right advice or the right support that they need. So this is just perfect. I'm so glad you GIS is doing this. This is just awesome, I guess. Yeah, I think this is something that we are really proud of. Just the fact that a student can turn to something, you know, in that instant, being these digital natives of technology, how do we bring it to them so that they are able to, you know, approach the right person? And you're very right, Devinti, in saying that all solutions can't come from parents. And sometimes right solutions may not come from your friends. You know, you need a professional who will give you the right, appropriate advice in that moment. You know? Yeah, I think one of the key features, again, of this platform is that there's no judgment. So most important thing is when you tell your friends or you tell your parents, there is some sort of, like, if this child says, I'm feeling extremely lethargic, I don't want to study, I'm feeling boom. Parents still have like, okay, but he needs to study. They need to do that. And friends are like, oh, don't study. Or something like that happens. Whereas when they go to a counselor or they seek professional help, 
it's more about how would you like to move forward and more focused on solutions and them empowering themselves to find the solution. So I feel like that is a very empowering thing as I've met many people that have passed out of school and spoken that I wish I had the right platform when I was in school, then I would have never gotten into these things. So I think this is giving them those students that platform. As parents, we always overreact. That's even me too. You know, we always are <laughs> yeah, so we protective. We all are parents. Yes. Yes, we want to give them solution, but it's generally sometimes it's not about they're not seeking for solution or somebody to sort out. They're just renting out. So yeah, uh, for a no. counselor or a, a mm. mental health professional is going to be non-judgmental. Uh, they will hold the space, you know, a space, safe space for the child, which is so important, which is, I guess, important for all of us. All of us. Agree, agree, agree. It gives a sense of peace to the parents as well to know that they're just not getting help from anybody. They're getting help from a trained professional counselor. So they know it's a safe place and they're not being driven into some other unhealthy habits. Sure, sure, sure. So actually, before we come to the end of this, any tips? practical tips either you uh, both of you would like to give to our listeners we have lots of listeners on this uh, podcast for uh, you know in this time or going forward yeah. so i think for adults you know teachers parents we need to be mindful that we are role models for our kids or p- other people around us even if you're a professional and heading a team so you're probably in that role of being role models so it's and when you are at that stage of being role model, you want it or not wanted, you are in that stage. So you are a role model. So it's about how I want you to take that time on reflecting and how is this? How are you dealing with the pandemic for yourself? So and then finding a purpose or a meaning to this time. So if you have those answers, uh, questions answered for yourself, you'd probably be able to manage yourself much better because there are other people who are dependent on you, who are looking up to you. Agreed. I also think that this is a time to communicate. Now more than ever, communicate your feelings. And even as organizations, as schools, as families, we're all looking to one another for support. So communicate how you're feeling, validate each other's feelings. I think that's one of the most practical tips I can give. Just use the power of words too. And if you feel you're not doing or you can't understand, make sense of your, your kind of, you're having a lot of emotional irregularities, reach out, reach out to the right people. Don't be ashamed or think, oh, I'm actually, do you think I'm mentally sick? Because if you seek out for therapy, it's it's not for people who are actually struggling for mental health. It's a space safe space give that redefine that understanding of counseling and you know make it as it's it's a safe space where you kind of share what you're going through you don't have to have mental health issues to seek therapy so go out just talk just say uh, you know just find solution evaluate where you actually have mental health because and it's all and even if you are struggling it's okay if you are stressed if you're anxious if okay because we all are if you see the pandemic has taken this control out from our hands which is causing fear uncertainty so it's okay to feel have all those feelings but just don't shy back or don't hold back to seek that help because if you as a head of family are okay then everybody's going to be fine or if you're seeing all these things in your kids 
just reach out, take them somewhere, let them talk to somebody. First approach the school. Doesn't work. Go outside. Do whatever you have to do. And other thing is self-care, you know, engaging in eating well, sleeping well, uh, exercising, some mindfulness, some meditation, some stretching. So all these are going to activate uh, your parasympathetic system. It's just a para- you know, triggers your parasympathetic system, which help you feel better. For myself, I've seen that just going out for a walk or going to the supermarket actually just helps me get through the day. Sure, 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 sure. Maybe I'll take one last word from Shabahat. Yeah, I was saying the same thing that we now more than ever, we need to break the stigma attached to mental health because we go to the doctor for regular checkups, even if we feel like nothing is wrong, just like that we are here offering counseling and support and the Singapore government has offered so many mental health helplines as well to, because this is a time more than ever that we need to speak about being mentally fit. But you know, according to me, it is not only in these times, these conversations need to be regular. These need to be ongoing. It is not only mental health, mental well-being during lockdown, but it is going forward as well. You know, so we need to keep these conversations on. Uh, well, we actually have now come to the end of our session, our session on well-being and health of our GIS community during COVID-19. I want to thank both our panelists for allowing us a deeper understanding into your expertise, into your experiences. And you've so generously shared with us and all the listeners. I'm so sure that your insights and tips that you have given will go a long way in enhancing the well-being of our GIS community as well as all the listeners around. To all our listeners, GIS School of the Future has planned many more interesting podcasts for you. Do stay tuned and feel free to reach out to us and share your feedback. Before I say goodbye, Shabahat and Vinti, thank you so much. To all our listeners, stay safe, stay healthy, and keep happy. Thank you very much, everyone. You've been listening to the School of the Future podcast by GIIS. To learn more about GIIS, our community, and our latest thinking, visit us at www.globalindianschool.com. Dot org, or find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter.